Thank you to everyone who served this weekend. It was a really powerful weekend. We had quite a few amazing stories that came our way. One in particular that I want to share with you this morning was a lady who hadn't been in church in years, and she had come with her family that week who happens to attend our church, and she came, and that night after the service was over and she's home, they had a little bonfire out there at their house and said that they were all sitting around the bonfire talking and she was just explaining to her family how God was still gripping her heart and how he was still dealing with her about some things in her life. And I just think, folks, that that is what this is all about. Amen? You see, it's not just about what's... Yeah, go ahead. One claps, everybody claps. Come on. <clears throat> it's not just about what happens in here on a Sunday morning. It's what God does beyond this Sunday morning in the lives of people that continues to help people to grow and to be the men and women of God that he's called them to be, help to set them free, help to, them to find healing. Man, what powerful, powerful ways that you and I, just everybody that played a part, had a hand in making all of that happen, from straightening the chairs to vacuuming to all those different things that we did here. Just thank you so much for serving. Thank you so much for making this Easter weekend happen. We definitely look forward to um, what God is going to do in the future. Amen. Well, last week we kicked off a series about beautiful things and uh, this week we're going to continue in that. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write down the title, The Beauty of Forgiveness. And I want you to think about that word forgiveness because a lot of times we throw that around and it doesn't really carry any weight or mean a whole lot because the fact is, is that we don't always react correctly whenever we're offended. This is, un- you turned it on, right? Okay. I said we don't always act correctly whenever we're offended. We need to learn how to deal with this stuff. What do you do whenever somebody offends you? What do you do when someone makes you mad? Over and over again, they continually offend you. What do you do with the hurts and the scars of the past? What do you do with the guilt and the shame? How do you truly forgive? You see, here's what happens. Too often people get locked in to an event or they get locked in to an individual that has done them wrong. We get locked in on this one event or this one person who hurt us, who scarred us, who did something to us, and we get locked in on that. And we can't ever move past it. And when we think about it, we we are constantly reminded of the feeling that we feel and the aggravation that we feel. We're constantly reminded of it. Matter of fact, what we do then is that we will surround ourselves with people who will talk about it with us. We get hung up on the old record slip that just keeps repeating. We get hung up on the old record slip that just keeps repeating. We get hung up on the old record slip that just keeps repeating. We get hung up on the old record slip that just keeps repeating. And we replay it over and over again. So what do we do? You see, whenever you hold on to something and you refuse to let it go and you refuse to forgive, you're constantly ignoring responsibility for your life and you get trapped in the blame game. That's exactly what the devil wants you to do is to constantly ignore responsibility. You get trapped in the blame game because what happens then is that you begin to put off why things aren't going so great on somebody else. Even though it may have happened last week, it may have happened last year, it might have happened 20 years ago. The reason I can't move forward and the reason that I'm stuck feeling this way and the reason that I can't do this is because of this situation and this person and this event and this thing happened and I can't move past it and I put that blame and that responsibility on someone else to why, I, why it is I'm stuck. You see, I say, well, because this happened whenever I was a kid, 
because I didn't have the opportunity, because this person said this to me, because this person did this, because this person didn't do this. And we put that responsibility on someone else, and we get all swole up, and what we do is we get trapped. We get stuck, and we get trapped, and we're waiting on something to happen. We're waiting on something to happen, and it's just going to come about, and I'm just going to sit here, swole up, and hurt, and angry, and disappointed, and mad, until it happens. You see, people have been ignoring responsibility by placing blame on others since the very beginning of time. Did you know that? Turn in your Bibles, if you got them with you this morning, to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 12. The very, two, uh, the, the very first two people that God ever made, Adam and Eve, here's what happens. God sets Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He says, hey, don't touch this forbidden fruit. Don't touch this tree of knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you do, you'll surely die. The woman, she gives into temptation and she takes it. And then what does she do? She gives it to her husband. And the man does not own up to the responsibility of what happened. What does the man do? He said, this woman, oh God, that you gave me to be with me, she gave me the tree and I ate. You see, men have been blaming their wives since the beginning of time. We've been seeing this over and over again, not taking responsibility for where we're at and where we're going. Are you saying that what happened to me was my fault? I didn't do anything. I've been trying to do everything right. I understand that. And you have no control over what someone else does to you. You have no control over the things that people will say to you and the hurt and all of the things that have happened. There may have been some things that you have absolutely no control over, but here's the thing. There is one thing that's in the realm of your control, and that's how much control of my life I allow that person or that event to have. I'm going to say that again. I said how much control you allow that event or that person to have. You do have control over that. How much am I going to give my life, how much am I going to give control of my life over to that person or that event? See, whenever I was first starting out in ministry, I was young, 18 years old, I worked for a guy. He was a pastor. And um, whenever this pastor that I worked for, he, he didn't treat me the best. As a matter of fact, he would call me names. He would constantly put me down. He would constantly be on my case about something. As a matter of fact, I always dreaded Monday morning staff meeting because you want to know what happened in Monday morning staff meeting after we got through going through the calendar, after we got through talking about all the different departments and everybody smiling, high-fiving each other. Then it was time to end staff meeting. The pastor would say, Derek, I need you to stay behind for an extra five minutes. I knew what that meant. That meant I was going to get chewed out about something. I was going to get raked over the coals. And he would yell at me. He would put me down. Uh, he had little <laughs> nicknames that he would call me that I knew what he meant when he was saying them. Nobody else did. I remember one time specifically that whenever I was uh, leading a, a prayer meeting, I had a group of young people, probably about 40 kids there, and we were starting a prayer meeting on Wednesday night. All these kids had the music going in the background on the CD. Had everybody, come on guys, let's come together and let's pray. And then all of a sudden my pastor busts up in the church, in, in, in this prayer meeting that we're having, and he has a question about something on the credit card bill, and he begins to yell at me about the credit card bill in front of the kids that I'm trying to lead in a prayer meeting. He puts it up in my face and he says, why did you do this? What is this all about? And here we are trying to pray, and I'm going, he's embarrassing me right there in front of all those kids, and he's dealing with something that, honestly, it ended up being just a misunderstanding. It wasn't even a big deal, but he just overreacted and just blew up at me in front of those kids. I remember those things. And for years, 
I allowed those things, I allowed those events to have control over me, and I allowed them to dictate how I felt, how I viewed myself, how valuable I thought I was, because in the back of my mind, I could always hear him calling me that name, or he could, I could always remember that event, and it made me afraid, made me afraid of other people, made me afraid of authority, made me afraid of confrontation, all these things that I was just, I was just deathly afraid of because I had just been constantly badgered and put down. Now, were those things right? Should they have happened? No, they weren't right. Of course, it wasn't right for me to be treated like that, but here's the things. I allowed those words to affect me because I dwelt on them over and over and over again. I hit the replay button over and over again, and here's what I did, and I know that nobody in here does this but me. I surrounded myself with people who I could talk to the different things about. And at first, it was good to vent a little bit, but then it became an addiction for me. It became an addiction to the sympathy and empathy of others. I became addicted to what other people, how they would console me. And so here's what I began to do, and I know nobody else has done this in here but me. But I began to then look for things that he could do that maybe weren't that big of a deal, but I would blow them up and make them a big deal. Because at that time, I had all my feelers out there. I was wearing my feelings on my sleeve. I was just waiting for him to blow it. I was waiting for him to mess up. And every time he would say or do something that was halfway wrong, I would run to that same little group of people. And I would tell them about how he had just offended me and done something else that made him just a real, just terrible guy. I surrounded myself with those people. And what would they do every time? Oh, I can't believe he's treating you like that. I can't believe that happened. I can't believe that he would do that. Oh, that's just terrible. And I liked that because I felt like I had people on my team, had people on my side. But what was I doing? I was constantly running back to those people. I got addicted to it. I got addicted to people feeling sorry for me because I was getting treated bad. Because of my bitterness, because of my unforgiveness. You see, just because you remove yourself from the person or the event that has hurt you, it doesn't mean that you've removed yourself from the hurt. You guys are quiet today. You keep thinking on what they did or what is happening. You keep thinking about that one thing that they said or that one thing that they did. And you hang out with people that always want to talk about it. And when you hang out with those people that always want to talk about it all the time, you're never getting anywhere. All you're doing is just riling each other up and making each other more and more mad, and you get trapped. It's a trap of the devil. As a matter of fact, the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, he talks about our adversary, the devil. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, he walks about like a roaring lion because he's looking for somebody he can gobble up. He's looking for somebody he can devour. He's looking for somebody he can catch in this trap of unforgiveness. Because you see what the devil does is he can use someone else's sin to actually get you to buy into the lie so you will end up being the one who sins. What? Look at somebody and say, what? Thank you for the three people that participated. The devil ends up getting you to participate in something that you didn't even want to play. You didn't even want to play the game. But because of that hurt, because of that event, because that one thing, because you couldn't let it go, and you allowed it just to fester, and you allowed it to just build up, and your heart got harder and harder, it actually caused you to sin, because did you know that unforgiveness is sin? And do you know how much power that the devil has over those that are in Christ? You want to know how much power he has? Goose eggs, nada, nothing. 
The devil has no power over you other than what you give him. He has no power over you other than what you allow yourself to be conned into. Because this roaring lion, he, he, he's seeking, he's stalking, he's waiting in the bushes, he's waiting for you to be offended. Oh, I just saw they got offended. Oh, let me take advantage of that because the devil's an opportunist. He sees an opportunity and he jumps on it. What power does he have? None. Then how is my life such a wreck then? Because he whispers the lie in your ear. That wasn't right. You need, I want to see them fail. Don't you want to see them fail? And then you surround yourself with other people who say, yeah, I want to see them fail. Yeah, I want to see them get hurt. Yeah, I want to see, they're going to get theirs. Yeah, oh yeah, it's coming, it's coming. I don't know when, I don't know where, but it's coming. The whole thing's just going to fall apart. You just watch and see. And then whenever you see them in Walmart or something, you look at them and you go, you get on the phone, you go, I saw so-and-so in Walmart. And buddy, let me tell you, they shouldn't have messed with God's chosen child. I saw that guy in Walmart that really did me wrong. And you know what? <laughs> he shouldn't have messed with God's man. What? What's our problem? Why are we wanting to see somebody else fail and somebody get hurt? Why are we wanting to see someone else fall for our benefit so we can go, <laughs> see, I was the one that was right. It's wrong. That's a wrong attitude of our heart. We walk around with bitterness and unforgiveness. That's the enemy looking for that opportunity. Oh, I bet I can capitalize on this. And not only do you buy into the lie, but he tries to get you to surround yourself with other people who will buy into it, people who will carry your offenses. You know, the devil's looking for those that yeah, he can also bring and surround you with that will also help carry your offenses. Because, yeah, you're mad about something. You tell somebody and they get mad about it. They don't even know what happened, but they're just as mad as you are. That's how we do things. And then we go back to those people because we get addicted to that over and over and over and over and over again. And you get trapped. And here's the deal. When you get trapped by unforgiveness, when you get trapped by unforgiveness, you open yourself up to a deeper cycle of pain. And that cycle of pain, it's never going to end. You see, you get trapped. You, you know, oh, I'm not going to get trapped. Yes, you are. If you're walking in unforgiveness, you get trapped by that, that deeper cycle of pain. And you begin to think vengeful thoughts. You begin to wish evil on others. You open yourself up to self-loathing, and you easily become addicted to pity. And you begin to ignore the responsibility. And you allow the pain to grow. See, you begin to open up yourself to that addiction that only feeds that pain and allows that hurt to grow and linger. You begin to open yourself up to gossip and slander because you're right, right? Because we're always the ones that are right. Everybody else is wrong. They just haven't figured it out yet. See, we open up ourselves to gossip and slander, backbiting, talking about folks, putting people down, looking to see other people fail. We open up ourselves to thoughts of revenge and we open ourselves up to that vengeful attitude we open ourselves up to alcohol. We open up ourselves to work. You can become addicted to work. Yeah, you betcha. To try to ignore what's going on and how you feel instead of dealing with it. Yeah, you can get addicted to it. We get addicted to TV. We just want to zone out. We get addicted to spending money. We just keep swiping the credit card because every time we come home with new goodies, it makes us feel better for a second. We keep swiping and swiping away because we're in this deep cycle of pain. We're in this deep cycle of heartache and brokenness and, and hurt, and we're not dealing with it correctly. 
we're holding this bitterness and this unforgiveness and we're waiting for them to do something. Man, how many times have you and I been sitting around waiting for somebody else to do something? We've been waiting on them to come to us. I'm waiting on them to come to me and tell me how sorry you are for what you did. And guess what? It's probably not going to happen. Is it their responsibility to walk in forgiveness? Or is it your responsibility? Folks, let me tell you this morning, it's our responsibility. It's our personal responsibility that nobody else can do for us. Not your husband, not your wife, not your kids, not your best friend, not your pastor. Nobody can do it for you. You've got to do it yourself. You've got to walk in unforgiveness. You've got to walk in forgiveness, excuse me, yourself. You've got to walk forgiving those who have done you wrong, even when it wasn't right, even when it wasn't fair. You've got to forgive that parent. You've got to forgive that ex-spouse. You've got to forgive that child. You've got to forgive that boss. You've got to forgive that leader, that person that hurt you. You've got to forgive them because if you don't, it's going to open you up to control of the enemy. It's going to be this deep cycle of pain. You know, in Romans 12 and 17, and we're going to read Romans 12, 17 through verse 21. It says, repay no evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. If it's possible, as much as depends on who? You. It depends on us to live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourselves, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay says the Lord. He said, it's not your job here. Therefore, if your enemy's hungry, he says, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for in doing so, you're going to heap coals of fire on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You see, you can get mad. You can get hurt. You can hit the replay button for the next 20 years over and over again. Or you can choose to say today that this is enough, and I'm ready to move past my past. Amen, somebody. A lot of times people say, well, I have moved on. It's just them. They're, they're still the problem. <laughs> I have moved on because I have said, God, forgive them. I'm not going to you know, hold anything against anybody. I, listen to me. Forgiveness is not words. Forgiveness is from the heart. <laughs> Forgiveness is not words. Forgiveness is from the heart. You see, it's not something that we just say because here's what we do. We try to fool ourselves and we try to think, oh, I'm over it because I said, God, I'm sorry, I forgive them for doing me so wrong because they're such a terrible person because that event was so, I I forgive them. No, 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 no. Forgiveness is from the hearts. It's not just in the words. You see, just saying that you've let it go or just saying that, hey, I forgot about it or that I've really forgiven them. It doesn't mean that you really have. It's not in words. It's, it's from the heart. What do you mean, Pastor Derek? I mean that whenever you see that person in Walmart, do you start immediately thinking about what they did and does the hurt immediately come back and then you begin to dwell on it and it just ruins your day because you walked into someone who offended you. That's still something there that you haven't dealt with. Still something there that you haven't dealt with. If all, and then here's what we do. Nobody in here again. We, we, we see a person in Walmart and we go, Woo, 
we, we get on our phone. Oh my gosh, you won't believe who I saw in Walmart today. Oh my gosh. And you know they didn't even look at me. His, his wife looked at me though. She turned up her nose and she glared her eyes at me. Can you believe that? Do you, I, I don't believe. Can you, do you remember what they did? Yeah, I remember what they, I know. Was, oh, oh man, I tell you what, it just makes me so mad. I, every time I think about what they did, but, but I've forgiven them. <laughs> no, you haven't. No, you haven't. You're still doing the same thing, replaying the same cycle, hitting the repeat button all over again, and you're stuck, and you wonder why you're stuck. I think that Jesus said something pretty important whenever he was teaching us how to pray. In the Lord's Prayer, he said, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. You see, we all want forgiveness. We all want the mercy of God, but we don't want to extend the mercy and the love of God to someone else. Hello, somebody. Who's got the problem here? Is it God? Is it the devil? Or is it us? I think we're the ones with the problem because we're buying into the devil's lie. And it's keeping us stuck. And we can't move forward because we can't get past it. In Matthew chapter 5, in verse 38. Jesus said, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but I'm telling you not to resist an evil person, but whoever slaps you on the right cheek, turn the other one also. And if anyone wants to sue you and take away your tunic, then let him have your cloak. Whoever compels you to go one mile, go two with him. Give to him who asks of you, and from him who wants to borrow from you, don't turn away. And you've heard it said, you need to love your neighbor and you need to hate your enemy. That's, that's how the world works. We love our neighbor, you know, we hate our enemy. But Jesus said in verse 44, I'm telling you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, then what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren, only what do you do more than others? Do, you not, do not even the tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. He said, listen, he said, whenever someone does something good and you love them because of it, even the IRS understands that. Even the tax collectors understand somebody doing something good. You, you know, I, I could do something really good for you and you'd love me. You might not like me. I don't know if you like me or not. I hope you do. But if you don't like me, I could say, you know what, guys? After church today, everybody that walks out this door is getting $10,000 each from the pastor. Well, boy, I love that pastor. He's the best pastor we ever had. You'll invite all your friends to church next week. I've got some halls. And I've got an open Ricola package. Ricola! I've got that, but I can't really help you out a whole lot with that one. But if somebody does something for you, you're like, yeah, I love that person. Yeah, but what about the one who did something wrong to you? Even the world understands getting something from somebody and, and loving them because of it. But what? What about the person that did you wrong? What about the person that 
bad-mouthing you? What about the person that's stirring up trouble for you? Are you praying for them? Do you love them? This is hard stuff. This is not the easiest sermon to preach because this is something we all deal with because we want to be vindicated. We want to feel like we were right and everyone else was wrong and so we want someone else to fail. We want calamity to come to someone else and we sit back and watch it just like Jonah did. You guys remember Jonah? The guy that got eaten by the big well and then the well uh, puked him up on the shore which is pretty gross. And then he goes and he preaches to the Ninevites, the wicked nation of Nineveh. And after he preached to him, he went and set up on a high place that he could look down at the city. And as he was sitting down there, he's like, okay, God, I preached to him. Now blow them up. And God didn't blow them up because he said, no, they repented. They, they, they made it right. Well, yeah, but I mean, they're wicked. What about all the bad things they did, right? They're still getting theirs, right? God said, no, you're the one with the problem now, Jonah. They've repented. They made it right. True, sincere forgiveness is a decision. It's not a feeling. A lot of times we wait for a feeling, but forgiveness is not a feeling. It's a decision that we make to not be controlled by the past anymore and to not allow my mind and my heart to dwell on anything except the things that God wants me to dwell on. You know, my son... and he gave me some profound six-year-old wisdom the other day. He was sitting at the bar and he said, at our house, and he said, you know, Dad, yeah, not like the bar. Like, you guys are really messed up, man. He was eating a Pop-Tart at the island bar at my house. Said, Dad, pop me open a cold one. Flood. No, come on, guys. We got Capri Sun and apple juice. He's, it's funny how a whole group of people, their minds all of a sudden unified. I don't think I've ever seen this church more united than when you guys laughed at me for saying that. <laughs> he said, if you want something, you have to get ready for it. I'm like, what? What did you just say? He said, if you want something, you have to get ready for it. I don't know where that came from, but out of the mouth of babes, you know, right? You know, listen, if you want freedom from your past. If you want to move forward, you got to get ready for it. You better ready your heart for it. You better position yourself for it. A lot of times you and I, uh, I know I'm this way sometimes, where we just sit around, we wait for our ship to come in, or we wait for everything to just be fixed. We wait for everything to just happen, and we go, okay, I'm not going to do anything to be responsible for anything. I'm just going to wait for it to happen and just sit here and go, okay, God, do it. Okay, God, do it. Okay, God, do it. Okay, he's not going to do it. That's what we do. And it's not that we're waiting on God. It's that he's waiting on us. He said, I've already told you you need to forgive. What are you waiting on? I'm waiting on the lightning bolts and the balls of fire to rain on their house. That's where my boss lives. You know, I thought, I've been looking at the paper every morning, waiting to see lightning and fire from heaven on the front page of the paper that you, or that his car broke down or something. Did you hear the boss's car broke down? Yeah. See, we're waiting on that. But if, if we really want freedom, we've got to get ready for it. We've got to prepare our hearts for it because it's a decision that we make. Because here's what forgiveness really is. It's us taking responsibility 
for where we are now. Somebody say, where we are now. Forgiveness is us taking responsibility for where we're at right now and moving forward into freedom. That's what forgiveness really is. It's taking responsibility for where you're at right now. Now, that doesn't mean that what happened was right. That doesn't mean what happened was within the realm of your control. That doesn't mean that the person is valid in what they did. That doesn't mean that the event was something that should have happened. That's not what that means. It's simply you taking responsibility and not allowing that person or that individual or that event to control the rest of your life. That's what it means. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is taking responsibility for where you're at right now. It's saying, you know what? That person's not laying in bed tonight, tossing and turning, thinking about me and what they did to me. You know that? As much as we would like to think that there's somebody tossing and turning, that somehow your, your, your ex-husband or ex-wife or somehow your, your uh, ex-boss, someone who really hurts you or did something wrong to you, is in bed right now and they're just tossing and turning, can't sleep. Oh, I can't believe I did that. Oh, it's so terrible. I'm such a terrible person. I can't believe Odds are they're probably not doing that. Who's the one that's tossing and turning and won't let it go? Me. I'm the one who's tossing and turning. I'm the one who's got the issue here. So whose responsibility then is it to get it right? Is it that person's or is it mine? It's mine. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is taking responsibility for where you're at right now and moving forward in freedom. You see, here's the deal. God loves us enough to correct us. And I know that this message may be a little heavy today because it's confronting you. It's confronting us with where we're at in our hearts. But unforgiveness in any form, it's never justified. Unforgiveness in any form is always sin. Always. Every time. You can't justify unforgiveness. Unforgiveness in any form is sin. Oh, you don't know how bad I was hurt. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know what happened to me. I know I don't know what happened, but I do know what happened to Jesus Christ. I know that he was beaten, that he was made fun of, that he was humiliated, that he had nails run through his hands and his feet and a spear shoved in his side. He was mocked. He was hurt. He was wounded. And every single breath that he was breathing as he was hanging on the cross was incredibly valuable. Anything that would come out of Jesus' mouth during those last few moments while he was on the cross hanging there had to be something of great worth and value because it's all he, he could do to say something. And in Luke 23, we see where Jesus is hanging on the cross and one of the things that he chooses to utter with some of the very last breaths in his body was, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And if Jesus uttered those words out of being in extreme pain and agony, he wasn't looking for justification. He was looking to show them love and forgiveness. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I, forgive them, Lord. Forgive them. You see, I believe God is drawing you to a place today 
or you're being confronted maybe with recent events or maybe things that happened years ago that have been played over and over again in your mind and in your heart like a broken record. And he wants to make something beautiful out of your hurt and your pain, but you've got to let him. You've got to make the decision to let it go and to forgive. You see, he wants to lead you on a path of healing. He wants to lead you on a path of restoration. But it starts with repenting and making it right between you and God. Because let me tell you something. It's great and wonderful if you make it right between you and someone else. And you may need to do that. God may be leading you today to give someone a call, shoot someone a text or an email. Maybe go have coffee with somebody this week that you need to talk to and you need to say, will you forgive me? And that's great, and sometimes we need to do those things. But more important than that, you need to get it right between you and God. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? We're not here to play games. We're not here joking around. This is for real. This is serious stuff. This is heavy stuff, folks. I'm not here playing any Christian games and trying to trying to pull at your heartstrings. I'm trying to confront you with the truth. And that feeling that you feel and that, that confrontation that you feel and that fact of that thing that's been brought up over and over again as I've been speaking, that thing, that, that's the Holy Spirit bringing that in front of you because he's saying, you need to deal with this. You need to deal with this. This is not right. This has been holding you back. You're not going to be able to move forward no matter what happens. You could even remove yourself from the person or the situation or the event. You could even move 100 miles away. It doesn't matter. Until you find forgiveness, it's going to be a stronghold and it's going to be something that holds you back until you really come to that place where you forgive. You could move halfway across the world and that event will still be played over and over in your mind as long as you entertain it and play with it and you don't repent of it. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to just take the next few moments and I want you to just ask God, is there anything in me that I need to deal with between you and me? Is there bitterness? Is there hurt? Is there things there that I keep holding on to that you're confronting me with today to let go? I mean, and really let it go and make it more than just words. Make it more than just something that you just say because you feel obligated to say it. No, something that becomes real to you that you really, I'm ready to move past this. I'm ready to let this go. Yeah, it wasn't right, wasn't fair. I'm not saying it was. But if you're going to move forward, you're going to have to find forgiveness. So God, if there's anything in us, if you need to come down front and make an altar here, if you need to turn around your chair and kneel down, if you're fine sitting right there, that's fine. I'm not going to require you to do anything because it's, this is between you and God. Whatever needs to happen here, that's what needs to happen between you and God. Maybe you're in this place today. You say, Pastor Derek, I need Jesus Christ in my life. I've never received him as my Lord and Savior. Or maybe you have, but you weren't really for real when you did it. You were just saying it because it was just everybody else was saying it. And you know, I really want to mean it today. Or maybe you did mean it at one time and you were for real, but you say, you know, I really haven't been living for God and I just want to recommit my life to him today. 
If you're in this place, I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want you to let me know that you're here just by simply lifting up your hand and putting it back down. Anybody in this place today? I see those hands, hands up all over this place today. I see those hands. You can put them back down. I see your hands in the back. I see your hands over here on the side. Anybody in this place today? Anybody else? Jesus, help us to move forward. Church, would you stand with us today? Would you repeat this prayer with us? Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. You've forgiven me of much. And I want to in turn forgive those who have done me wrong or have hurt me. Your life. I want you to live in my heart. And I choose to follow you. I believe you died on the cross, were buried and raised again. And I choose to give you control of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? I will wait for you. 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 I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness. Who shall I be afraid? The Lord is.
him a shout of praise today, church. Just tell him how much you love him today. That you're free. Are you free? Let's give him our best. to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Let's walk in forgiveness this week and walk in greater victory. Amen. You are dismissed.